hello everybody welcome to another edition on a cold sunny evening from northern kentucky how you doing there gary how you doing there val oh what's that what's that how you down freezing up here in michigan southeast michigan freezing hello, hello denise and gary nice to see everybody starting to stack in so uh we do have val back yes, in the do. show norma Yes, you do. Hey, Gene Hudson. So, interesting. So, I haven't talked to you, Val. Uh, round of applause to everybody. Nice to see you, Cal Smith. Missy Hammer. Hammer time. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we got that new show coming up at 8 p.m. tonight. The Pulse. Uh, unfiltered and unscripted. So, uh, I don't know how it's going to go. So, uh, it's either going to be a hit or a smash or it's going to be a flop. It's up to you guys. Hey, Crystal. Nice to see you. Uh, so, Val, uh, since the last time we spoke, two things have occurred. Uh, number one, uh, I have been commissioned to come to Michigan to go on an investigation. So, uh, it's all the way up there in Michigan. So it's about uh, almost an hour drive. Uh, I have to say that legally, right? Uh, by Google Maps. So, I'll probably be doing that probably in May or June. So the second thing is, is that during one of the shows, I thought I was getting punked. And we already talked about this, but I want to tell you, uh, you know, because I do spiritual work on the side, right? Hey, Brian Barber. And uh, I thought a guy was confessing of his sins. And uh, he actually was. And I thought I was being punked. And when I said that, remember the old TV show, Punked, where they played practical jokes on you on TV? I remember, I remember something with uh, Alan Funt or something. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I didn't know if they were trying to get a rise out of me being live, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, as as the story went on, I was like, it's okay. It's like I pretty much heard everything or seen everything, I think. And the guy was like, well, I'm still having problems with it. And as the guy went on, I realized that he was traumatized by his incident. And I realized as he was explaining what was happening, that he's now in his late 70s. So then what does it sound like? A deathbed confession. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it's okay. I said, I'm live. I said, I'll try to, you know, talk to you. He's like, well, I really want to talk to you about it, and I need to get off my chest. I'm like, it's okay. I said, I'll, I'll try to monitor. He said, well, my friend and I was hunting back in the late 70s, and we heard this commotion, and we didn't know what it was. And it came, and it charged him. He shot at it five times, dead center mass. I said, shot at what? He was like, the creature. I was like, what creature? I knew what he was talking about. I just wanted I just want to hear him say it. He said, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. He said it didn't even stop it. He said it landed on him and it ripped his shoulder apart, tore off his clothes. He said, I shot twice. One hit it in the shoulder and left it in the left cranium. And uh he said uh it flopped. He said I killed it. He said the police showed up, the gay warren showed up, and he said it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went and told the story. And uh, you know how you do interviews? Hey, look at keywords and articulations and the tenses and everything like that, right? Mm -hmm. And also look at how he phrased his sentences and his structure. And he was having problems pronunciating words informant sentences that shows he was stressed, uh, upset, uh, rough time communicating, verbalizing, right? Mm -hmm. Some red flags that we see, right? Showing mm -hmm. that he's traumatized. So basically, I thought we was going to have him on a show. And that was, I thought it's what he was going to work up to. And I was like, hey, look, I understand what's going on. So I'm trying to talk to him. We talked for like uh, about a week or so. And to make a long story short, uh, he doesn't want anything to do with anything. Uh, he never talked to me now. 
Uh, he's having issues even sleeping. He's never went back in the woods. Uh, they covered everything up. Uh, they did away with all the reports and photographs. And uh, they put down on the actual police report that it was a hunting accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did did he identify the state where this happened? Uh, he would not. But however, uh, I do know what state it is because he ended up buying something. So I'm assuming it's the state that uh, he lives in now. I could be wrong because mm-hmm. I didn't ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he doesn't want to talk about it anymore because mm-hmm. he's having a lot of mental problems over it. Uh, he's lost uh, his family over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it's it's very traumatic and uh so it's very upsetting, but it's just it's it seems like a lot of these incidents like this is happening in the late seventies, early eighties. What's your thoughts? It's it sounds like uh post traumatic syndrome is what it sounds like to me. Right. And um to be honest with you, Chris, I've seen a lot of that in in the Bigfoot side of these things, um through my research and stuff. I just have a database open right now and um, I'm, I'm um, consolidating a lot of different uh, databases that I have and um, under, under one particular, one particular data set, I have, I have over a thousand uh, entries that I have to go through and really look at them, analyze them, read them. Um, get them sorted and classified and then um, go back and, and determine where the injuries were, who was killed. If, was there anybody killed? Was it just um, destruction? You, you see, a lot of people don't want to hear this stuff. They want to know in their mind, they want to know uh, that Bigfoot uh, smiled at them, laughed at them, uh, threw hands with them and, uh, I'm not there. I've never been there. Uh, I've always had that sense of, um, of caution about about this stuff because uh, in spite of all the people that say these are angelic, these are this and these are that, and I know this is very controversial. However, uh, I see this I see this side of it. And uh, in my mind, I'm not at a place where <clears throat> where I can say that these are angelic because angels don't do this to people. They don't do that kind of stuff to people, scare people half to death and, and hurt people. And uh, I'm looking at this right now. And I was thinking about this um, last week, last couple of weeks when, when I was working on this until the uh, power went out. Um, But I was looking at this, this database and, and looking through all these reports, these injury reports, these, these uh, people killed, you know, do you realize, Chris, brother, do you realize that there's, there's a lot of incidents where, where people have been injured in pairs, in numbers? I'm not talking about just one person. I'm talking about four people. I'm talking about uh, when people are killed by these things, when they, when they go into a rage, uh, we're talking about two and four and, you know, that's a lot of people to be killed. That's a lot of covering up. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of uh, trying to defend uh, this. And uh, I, I'm not there with, here's, here's one uh, report in particular where five people, an entire family was, was wiped out camping. Um, and that came from, that confirmation came from a retired police officer who at the time probably carried the, carried the mail and, and um, said what he had to say when people asked about it and stuff. But now he's retired. He wants to get that stuff off his chest. Speaking about, speaking of um, deathbed confessions and stuff, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an attorney, but I was a pretty doggone good uh, law enforcement officer. I understood. I understood criminal law. I read it. I read it like uh, people read the Bible, because that's what my job was. 
to be a good baker, you have to you have to learn recipes. You have to learn the ingredients. To be a pharmacist, you have to l learn the substances. Uh, to do what I was doing, what you were doing, I had to stay abreast with changes and laws and, and everything else. When um, when I look at this stuff, um, I see I see stuff like the Miller document that I've introduced to to a number of people that haven't heard of that before. But again, that's a to me that's a classic case of of a deathbed confession. Somebody somebody um, taking the moment to clear their mind and clear their soul, to clear their their uh, conscience of of something that's that's was pressed upon them. You, you see, a lot of these people are, are pressed under the, uh, um, the do not talk. Right. They're, they're, they're signed to that, but you're, you're on a deathbed conf confession. Um, be that as it may, uh, people would have a hard time charging with you with anything when you're, when you're dead, when you're gone. So, that's when these people uh, tend to open up. But I also see a lot of people, a lot of kids that carry these experiences on into their um, adulthood, even into the later lives. That's the time that they open up and, and, and get that stuff off their, off their uh, mind and stuff. But I'm very, very surprised that somebody had approached you and still has a hard time letting it go like that. But you know, yeah, very, very hard time. Uh, I actually read the narrative somebody uh, over the phone verbally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want you to hear how how he wrote this. Right. And they were like, that guy was struggling. Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. But now let me let me switch gears on you, because this has been a topic that's came up. Since you since you're a data miner, right? Mm -hmm. And we refer to data miners. We're talking about gathering data and information. Have you noticed a trend? And I'm starting to see this. And we brought this up, I think, on another show. Uh, I want to give out a call to Nat Nat or Nat Nat. Hello, Nat and Eric. Uh, welcome to the show. Have you noticed a trend when it comes to people? We're talking uh, younger children, teenagers or younger with disabilities and or autistic that has encounters more with these creatures. You notice a trend with that. You know, and a lot of the reports that I read, Chris, I don't see, I don't see a lot of people identifying their, their handicaps and their disabilities and stuff. Although some do, um, uh, I, I, I will say this from, from my, uh, my own experience uh, looking into this stuff and I've read and I've been through, scoured several of those uh, missing books. Um, that's missing one of the one things, one. yes, that's one of the things that's uh, mentioned over and over and over and over again there. However, uh, me and uh, the author, uh, you know, we, we, we approach this a little differently. You know, um, he seems to think that, or I don't know, I can't speak for him per se. I, I just, my opinion from, from my understanding, the way I uh, interpret what I've read, that um, there is a... Um, focus on on people with with disability handicaps and stuff and that might be true but uh where we differ on this topic is and and i think you have you have somebody that uh, on on your show broadcast you have somebody that that uh, uh speaks on missing that kind of uh, mystery and stuff is that correct chris well, and I said this before, I'll call David Plotis out and I'll say it again. You know, I want him to say where he stands and not mm -hmm. uh, pussyfoot around. So mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll tag him on the video. I mean, 
Uh, I'm brave. I, I, I don't have no qualms about it. Uh, however, I interviewed a girl uh, approximately a year and a half ago. And uh, and that's not disrespect, ladies and gentlemen. That's not. And I don't want anybody to think that. However, the caveat with that is that this, when I interviewed, before I interviewed this girl, uh, mm -hmm. we were talking and she was a young adult. I would say probably about 17, 18. No, no, I take it back 19. Because uh, anytime somebody's kind of young, when I say young, you know, I usually <laughs> verify the date, right? The age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because if it's a minor, I, hey, whoa, where's your parents? I mean, mm -hmm. that's just like in law enforcement, okay? Yep, so let's, yep, yep. Let's, let's establish that line. Mm -hmm. Make sure we're clear. All right. Now, when we first talked, and uh, she was telling me her story, and I say story, and this is her event, you know, her encounter. And what was strange is that it was nonchalant. You can tell that she was autistic to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And we all know about that because we had to have special training in law enforcement, how to mm -hmm. deal with these autistic children and adults. Mm -hmm. With that being said, she was like, yes, our, my family has land. And uh, when these creatures are around, uh, they look like dogs. Uh, the big hairy things uh, protect me. Mm -hmm. I was like, do what? She's like, yeah, they protect me. They're my friends. And that's how the conversation started. And, and I was like, would you like to come on the show? And she says, really? And, and I showed her some episodes. And I was like, it's up to you. I was like, you know, and she did. And uh, but what was strange is that this opened up a door to this. My kids have told me that they've been playing with things in the woods and we thought they were just imagination figures of their imaginations mm -hmm. and how many times have we heard that yeah i've heard that from a professional uh standpoint i've heard that and and this would probably what i'm going to share with you is was probably more fitting of one of your paranormal shows but nevertheless it's real and um it goes something like this. Um, I had I had a dealing with with a uh, family, a neighborhood. I've been there on on unassociated issues, theft, whatever, whatever. But I would I became familiar with with the family somewhat, and um, um, I remember going back to that address uh, later in the in the evening one day on a fire and everybody wants to come out and see a fire. I don't know what it is, the fascination with fires and fire apparatus and stuff, but it's excitement to some people. To me, I know, I know what it is. It's, it, it means I'm going to go home smelling like smoke and, and uh, long waiting times and stuff because you're there until that last piece of equipment is, is, is removed and put away. Uh, nevertheless, I, I made contact with a couple older women that were standing quietly watching the fire. And uh, I don't know any strangers, but I got to talking to them, and they were from another city. And they recounted to me that their grandfather used to live there. And I said, really? They said, oh, yeah, he used to live there. And um, did the firefighters... Um, uh, open up the uh, fireplace. And I said, no. Well, what do you mean about opening up the fireplace? Well, yeah, Grandpa used to kept, keep his guns and um, whatever um, in a little uh, compartment behind the fireplace. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, she's, they're talking about prohibition period. They're talking about way back. This is an old house that had been redone several times. And I said, well, I don't know anything about that. Oh, yeah, well, um, that's what happened. And they said that um, back when, uh, during the Purple Gang, they said that um, Grandpa, Grandpa used to, Grandpa used to uh, be involved with people. Okay. Well, um, um, 
grandpa went to prison and sometime in that time that grandpa was in prison, um, grandma had a baby, a little boy. And uh, when grandpa came home from prison, uh, something happened to the little boy and the little girl said, well, yeah, we used to see our, you know, our, our, um, whatever he would be to them, whatever relation that little boy would be, that illegitimate little boy would be to these little girls. We used to go over there, always play with him. And then one day we went to grandpa's house and, and he was never there anymore. And grandpa told us to stay out of that room in the basement. It was locked. Stay out of that room. Don't ever go in that room. And we listened to grandpa. So we're going back to now we're speeding up to more present time and stuff. So here we are at this house that these older women have these memories and stuff. So um, what I do know of that neighborhood, what I do know of that uh, particular house was I used to, you, you know what my background is, Chris. And uh, I, I had a, um, a, lo a local historian uh, come to me with a transcript, his book. He was writing a book on that kind of stuff, organized crime, historical organized crime. And he asked me to read it. He asked me to, to read his book before it went to print. And I did. And um, from my research and stuff, everything that he had in there was pretty factual. I mean, I gave him the nod and said, yeah, I, I like what's in it. And then it looks good to me. Um, so that particular address, I know for a fact when I was when I was researching, uh, it was visited several times by what they call at the time. They called them black hand, black hand gang. When you got a knock on the door and you misbehaved, I don't care who you were, if you misbehave, if you beat your wife any of that kind of stuff, you know, we're, we're talking about a time when in the old West, they used to have vigilantes in the modern urban time of that day and age, they had a black hand gang and they would knock on a door. And if you went to the door and you seen a piece of paper with a black hand, a black hand on that piece of paper, you're in for it. You duck. <laughs> And so this guy was involved in uh, shipping alcohol, receiving alcohol from, from at the time during the prohibition period. So uh, what they would do is they would target these people. They'd go out and kidnap them under the premise that this, this criminal isn't gonna run to police and tell police he was kidnapped and held for ransom. So we're gonna go ahead and make a make a money out of it. We're going to make a profit out of this. And that's what they did. They did it over and over again. This particular individual, the grandpa uh, in this story, as I'm telling you, was fell victim of this twice. And the, the grandmother, the, the older woman's grandmother uh, at the time paid the ransom off once. It happened the second time. And then um, I think they paid, they paid the second time and then later on, uh, months, years later, um, he was snatched up by, by government and went through the justice system, was placed in uh, jail and incarcerated. So it takes me back to the story of, of the older women. I'm looking at this house that's on fire. The family, the young family that lives there, they went out of town for some reason, that I, as I remember. And... Um, the house was pretty much destroyed on the upper level. And um, so um, the next week I'm talking as a follow-up to this, I'm talking to the uh, wife of the, of the, of the property owner. I mean, the property owner's wife. And uh, she tells me, well, yeah, you know, um, we, you know, we understood this was an old house. It, it's our first house. And so, uh, we got to, we got to deal with the insurance company now to, to, um, renovate this place, get it back in, in order. So 
while we do this, um, I says, well, you know, there was a couple women here, older women here that said that their grandfather used to live there. Oh, well. And they mentioned something about a little boy. And she says, well, I don't know anything about a little boy. But she says, you know, my my son lives, my, my son has a, a bedroom upstairs and he's got a couple rooms up there with toys and stuff. And he's always up there playing. And he always comes down and says that a little boy is upstairs playing with him. And we, and, you know, we don't have any company over. We don't have any, he doesn't have any friends over. But he's always talking about this little boy that's playing with him upstairs. And we don't know anything. We don't know where this came from. And, and um, she says, I'll tell you another thing that's pretty strange. She says, you know, because of that fire, we had um, uh, crews in this house renovating this place. And she says, downstairs in the basement, we have what they, what they affectionately call Michigan basements. And these are older homes with dirt floors. I don't know. Do they have any of that in Kentucky? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, in Michigan, you know, people people don't I don't see that much anymore. But anyways, they hired a contractor out to to spread down pea uh, pea gravel and gravel and stuff. They wanted to pour concrete floors and redo the sewer while they had all this money to to restore this place. And um, I am told by the by the wife of the property owner that uh yeah we had some problems with the contractor because they're downstairs hauling in this gravel to the basement and it's very cold outside and you know she says i was just paying them in phases you know you do this kind of work and then we're going to pay a third of the uh cost of the estimated job she says well i i she says i had to go to the bank i came back and the contractors are sitting in the in the truck and, and she says i ask them what's wrong? Why are you stopping? Oh, they said, we're not going back in that house. <laughs> and she says, well, why? She says, um, because um, we were there uh, coming through the kitchen with this, with this gravel and stuff. And she says, there's a little boy standing there looking at us. And she says, you're kidding me. She said, no. They said, oh, no, 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 we're not kidding you. And, and we, we don't know where that came from. Uh, we don't know anything about that. We don't want to be here for that. No, wow. we don't want to see something like that in this in this place. So we're not going to do this job. So they tell me, they tell, and, and the reason why I get involved in this the second time is because, you know, with this money, they're, they're laying down, uh, they're tearing up, they tore up the basement. They, they laid down fresh concrete to this basement. And now they're going outside the house and they're digging up the backyard to lay down uh, PCV pipe, plastic PCV pipe, and removing the old cast iron pipe that gets broken and cracked over the years with the freezing and thawing and stuff. And they do that. They decide, well, let's let's redo the, the garage. I mean, we've spent all this money for to redo this house. Let's, let's put a new garage in. We're going to start with the floor. They tore up the floor. And voila, while they tore up the floor, uh, they come upon a car. A car buried in the, base, in the uh, garage. And uh, that's where I come in. Because now, you know, they're saying there's shoe sole, soles of shoe. Um and leather like that doesn't rot. I mean, it, it, it does rot, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't disappear. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Uh, it doesn't disappear. So, so fabric and leather and like that, it, it lingers on, you know, decades after the fact. So, um, I have to believe that, that there was some, um, veracity to, to what the older women said. And probably in my mind, although, you know, um, this is decades later, it, it's only my thinking that perhaps probably um, somebody, you know, like a lion, if a lion comes along and, and uh, wants to, to mate with, with a female and, and the female has cub, It'll destroy the cub to to bring the female into heat, 
and and that's how that that's how that's how nature takes its course. In this case, with with people, um, somebody came home from prison, and and he says, "Look, you know, me and you weren't together for a year, year and a half. You had a baby, and it's not my baby." So, um, as cruel as the world is, it's it sounds to me like that is what happened. What a shame! What yeah. a shame! but that's that's the world so um i seen i seen a lot of that stuff and um it, it's very sad but it, it, when, when i'm talking about uh, the remains of of shoes and stuff like that it brings me back to uh my experience with with uh my search for this uh, missing individual. And I did this before I retired. And um, individual retired. He was um, 18 years old. He was going to hitchhike down to Daytona, Florida, meet up with uh, some friends. They were going to go to a rock and roll concert. You know, a lot of kids did that back in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And so somehow he splits up with his girlfriend and uh, he decides to hitchhike from Daytona, Florida to, to Houston, Texas, across the deep state. And he's doing this by himself. And um, he disappears in Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana, at a truck stop. And that's where I get involved. This is 30, 31 years later. And um, I was moved to contact his mother about three o'clock in the morning. I, I worked midnights for 15 years and uh, I was aware of the situation. And I, one night, one early morning, I was moved to contact her and um, I woke her up from her sleep three o'clock in the morning. That's daytime to me. That's midday for me. And um, she knew who I was. And I asked her, I says, tell me, Tell me everything that you remember about your son, the last phone conversation you had with your son. And she did. And she cried. She wept. I listened. I didn't interrupt. When she, when she composed herself, I cleared my, my throat. And I said, listen. I says, I want you to understand what I'm telling you right now. I says, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm going to look for your son and I'm going to bring him home. I'm going to bring your son home to you. That is my promise to you. And she thanked me profusely over and over again. This is a true story. And what is strange about this, Grizz, is that uh, a, a, week, a week after that, I get a phone call out of the blue from a retired lieutenant his wife is on the phone with me and she's asking me if I'm working day shifts. You know, I haven't worked day shifts in 15 years. Nobody knew me. And, and when I appear on day shifts, I got people asking me if I was a rookie. And so uh, the woman, the woman was asking me if, um, well, she told me, she says, uh, there's a woman that wants to meet you. And um, I said, well, what does she want? Well, I don't know. She won't tell me, but she wants to talk to you. And, you know, right away that set up all kinds of red flags with me because I don't want to be accused of anything. I don't want somebody complaining on me about anything. So I agreed. I said, okay, uh, um, as a matter of fact, I'm working day shift tomorrow. Um, uh, I'll be over there at two o'clock. She says, okay. I stopped over there and uh, this middle-aged woman approached me and, and she says, are you Val? I said, yes. She says, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. She says, um, the first thing that comes out of her mouth is, you're an old soul. You've been here many times before. Do you get headaches? And I you know, kind of anticipated where she was going with that. And I said, well, no, not exactly. And I'm not going to get into my personal health history with you either. I don't know who you are. She says, uh, you work alone a lot. And I says, I do. She says, you work at night. 
I said, yes. She says, uh, I want to caution you. I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you this to scare you. I'm not going to tell you this to threaten you, but you're going to have to be careful. She says, I see, I see round tail lights. I see a red car and I hear gunshots. That's what I'm going to, that's the message I got for you. And she says, who is this woman that follows you around? I says, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. She says, yeah, there's a, there's a woman that follows you around wherever you go. And you mean something to her. She wears a white dress. She's very tall. And, she, and wherever you go, she's there. And she's always looking out for you. And um, we got away from that. And she says, I'll tell you how you died in your previous life. And I says, I don't want to know. She says, well, I'm going to tell you this. You were a warrior in your other life. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to make of this woman. I don't know who she is. I, I'm certain I've never spoke to her in my life. I didn't solicit that. But the last thing that she tells me, and this is probably most important, is this. I get out of the car. I'm stretching my legs. I don't know if I'm going to um, leave now or listen to what, what else she has to say. And she looks at me sideways and she says this. And she says, just answer yes or no. Don't give me a long answer. She says, you're looking for somebody. And stunned, I looked at this woman and I said, yes. She said, they, they know. She didn't say he, she didn't say she. She said, they know you're looking for them. They'll let you know when they're ready to be found. And I'm going to tell you something, Grizz. I'm going to tell you something. As clear as you see my eyes and as clear as you see my face on this video, I'm telling you that 21 months later, I used DNA, mitochondrial DNA. 21 months later, I got that phone call from the county examiner down in uh, Houston, Texas. Are you Val Zavala? Yes. Are you the person of contact for this family in Ohio? And I said, yes. Are you going to contact them? Yes. I got some good news and I got some bad news for you. My response was, well, I'm a chess player some. I suck at horseshoes and I don't play poker. I says, give me the bad news first. And they said, homicide. I says, is there any bright side to this? And she said, yes. I said, what is it? She says, we know where he's at. And I said, where? She said, right here. She's been, he's been here for 15 years as a John Doe. And we never had, we've never been able to identify him and never been able to give him a name. So we have him. I asked for the, uh, for the contact, or I asked for any uh, details that the, the uh, notes that the county examiner left with his um, report the day that he was found, his remains were found. They gave me the details and I asked who the uh, investigating officer was. Of course, it was, it was Houston police, cold case, homicide. And uh, I contacted them and they virtually said the same thing. You know, uh, his remains were found here at this location. And I asked if there was any property or any other notes that he wanted to share with me. And he did not. Other than the fact that uh, there was shoes and um, a belt and, and remnants of pants, you know, like blue jeans and stuff like that. But everything else was rotted away, decayed. And it was he was skeletal uh, when they found him and stuff. So... Um, <clears throat> Uh, again, I go back to that point where uh, even r the rubber soles on your tennis shoes, the canvas might rot away, you know, in, in time under the um, elements of time and stuff. But the soles, the rubber soles and the, and the um, thick leather and stuff always seem to to be there as, as witnesses to to the um, to the stuff. So.
No, absolutely. Um, what, what, what the journey that I took when I did this, and, and I, I took some time off to do this because, again, I'm clearly out of my jurisdiction when I did this. Um, I was a part of a uh, intelligence uh, group at that time, uh, and they had they had uh, tentacles um, internationally. But I was clearly out of my jurisdiction when I did this, and I and I told my administration that I would be doing this, and I did this without using any law enforcement resources, computers, or anything, which is illegal if I did it, and I didn't. But uh, it was clearly done with wit, skill, and knowledge. And uh, again, 21 months later, I, I brought the, the remains back to his family in Ohio, it took another three months to do this with permits because you're transporting human remains across state and federal lines. You need permits for this. And um, it was at that time that I was so emotionally um, uh, drained that I, I wanted nothing else to do with, I mean, I've seen enough. I've, I've experienced enough. I've seen enough. I was totally exhausted and I had to, I thought it was it was a good time to as, use that as a curtain call, take my bow, and and step aside, and that's exactly what I did. But um, um, I was approached to I was approached to get involved with a um, civilian uh, cold uh, cold case group, including federal officers and stuff to open up and look at some of these other cases around the country. And um, um, it, it, it was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something, that whole thing is, is pretty, pretty creepy, but it's, it's uh, draining, spiritually draining. And um, so I did step away from that and when I did retire, I, I, uh, my wife and I rented a uh, chalet in the Great Smoky Mountains. And there I spent the week in a um, hot tub drinking champagne and stuff and uh, trying to decompress. And that's what I did. When I got out, I started looking at this uh, Bigfoot uh, topic in Michigan. And um, that's that's how I got involved with this. Well, what's interesting, I'm going to add to your topic right now. So we were talking to somebody in Florida and somebody was interviewing this lady and they were talking about, have you ever heard any chatter or talk? And I was like, I know she knows what we're talking about. So I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. everybody in the chat was like, what the hell are you doing? They were sending me messages like I was insulting this lady on the show. Mm -hmm. And you know what she said? Yes. They People thought I was nuts, like I was mocking this woman. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell? You not heard the Sierra sounds? The golden grail from Robin, uh, Ron Moorhead? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. Exhibit A, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, witness statements on on the, the language and the sounds and stuff. I see you got that up. You know, I said uh, to Ron, if that was me and him out in the woods, I'd choke him out because he was instigating him on. I didn't know that was Ron. So of course it's going to buffer. Yeah, he was provoking. Yes, he was. A lot of the a lot of the reports on on uh, uh, speaking, a lot of times uh, it it is said, it is reported that they you know. Thank you. 
Unbelievable. Do you remember uh, do you remember that video by um, Sasquatch Ontario, Chris? Yes. And and um, the voices and stuff that uh, were intimated uh, to be a um, Sasquatch on that. I think it's gonna here, we'll do it this way, stand by ladies and gentlemen. Let me uh, pause this and over here on this side and uh, go to this device real quick. Some, evidently, some people's never heard it, so let me uh, hit this device. Uh, it was interesting because I never have it on record that somebody in another state's heard this, especially in mm -hmm. Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was very interesting, uh, and especially when she's like, oh, yes, and I was like, wow. A lot of times when uh, people report that, um, uh, they report whispering, uh, and, and they claim that um, it sounded like uh, people, like you and I talking, but in a lower tone of voice. And there's other there's other uh, reports of full conversations, questions. One fascinating report came out of New England one of the New England states. Val, you're muted. You're muted, Val. Oh my gosh. There you uh, are. But yeah, so that's so that's the samurai chatter. That that's what people resonate with. And when when I asked her when I did that, I think some people thought I was mocking this lady. Because mm -hmm. they were like, What the hell are you doing? And when I did it, she was like, Oh, yes. But from Florida. And I was like, mm -hmm. nobody's never said that on record. Really? Yeah. Have you ever heard that from Florida? I haven't. No, no, I haven't. I, I, you know, I take it for granted. I probably shouldn't, but I take it for granted that many people that are involved in, in Bigfootery have heard the, the um, Ron Moorhead um, uh, video and heard the chatter. Uh, and yet I still see hundreds of, of uh, reports of people that do report uh, the chatter, but they describe it uh, differently. In some of the descriptions, uh, words are very, very um, lucid and, and uh, discernible. And um, uh, when I was when I was uh, muted, there's a uh, there's a, a pretty good. Uh, case where where a bigfoot actually asked these men who were walking home from at night from a uh, another time a neighboring town where uh, this particular another city was another town and um, they told them even though they were frightened and uh, intimidated by this they told the Sasquatch, oh, you go down about uh, 10 miles from here and, and you'll see it. Oh, okay. And that's it. That's the way that report ended. And um, we have but, reports, people getting their names called. Yes. Yes. Now, exactly. ladies and gentlemen, you're out in the woods. You call my name. You better be careful because you don't know what's coming to you. It may be the wrath of God. Just be prepared. Don't scare me. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> I think hey, hold up and look. I tell people over and over if I'm on an investigation or I'm out in the woods, don't prank me. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, don't prank me. Mm -mm. I'm not responsible for what's going to happen. Now, I'm mm -hmm. down with some good, good jokes and some knee slaps. So, yeah, I don't like, I don't like that kind of stuff either. I certainly don't. But uh, everybody's like, damn, Grizzly, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. You just don't want to make you know, meet your maker early. That's all. Yeah, so, that's 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 not cool. I don't, I don't like laughing. that. I don't like it at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, you know, back to the uh, the kids and the autism and the disabilities and stuff like that. I've heard that. I've heard that time and time again. Uh, you'll see that that narrative repeated many, many times in those missing books. Um, and and quite frankly, um, you know, I, I spoke to um, the author a couple times by phone, once in the capacity of of what I was doing, right, and another time because I bought something that I didn't think that um, I, quite frankly, the video I bought the the uh, DVD that I bought was was not done right or not done well, you know, to me, in my mind, it didn't, it didn't come up. It didn't work. It didn't function. And, um, uh, you know, I don't want to disparage anybody or anything, but, uh, you know, I just think that I was disappointed because, um, because, uh, I think, in my opinion, I think that the author disassociates, uh, I, wants to disassoci disassociate a lot of what he reports, what, what he writes about in those books uh, for, away from uh, Sasquatch. <coughs> it, and, it's, it's interesting. I, I can say that much. And I see a lot of, I see from my perspective, from what I do, I see a lot of confluences. I see a lot of connection. I see a lot of complicit involvement. And I see this through patterns. I see this through, uh, I see, well, I'm looking at this, this database right now of, of injured and killed people and the number of people and another number of instances, uh, say we're talking of hunters, where the weapons, where the rifles, where they disappear, the the subject, the victims disappear, and the rifles are found broken or bent to the shape of a U. Now, nobody that I'm familiar with, no sportsman, no hunter has ever reported that a bear has has taken and bent the barrel of their their firearm. Never. You know how hard it is to bend a barrel on a firearm? Yeah, pretty hard. Okay, I smacked, I smacked uh, rifles uh, against trees before. They don't mm -hmm. bend. Mm -hmm. I fell down hills with rifles. They don't bend. Now, I may crack a stock by falling on rocks down a hill because you slip and fall. I may plug barrels with mud and debris because I slipped and fall, but never been to a barrel. Yeah, that's, it's, um, I, I see this and that's not the only, I mean, I don't look at a report and see a, a report of a uh, missing person and a um, rifle that's bent in a shape of a U and say, oh, that's, that's Sasquatch involvement. I don't see that. I don't, I don't see it like that. I see, I see that as a uh, pattern. I see it as, as a red flag, something to, to draw my attention to and look at it and look through hundreds of other reports for similar situations. And I do find them. And uh, when, I, when I see that, I set those aside. I segregate those and set them aside. And I go on to look for others. And then I come upon these reports of explorers, hunters, um, hikers that happen upon caves. 
And when I look at these reports of, of people that, that, that discover and find caves, when they mention that they find human remains in there, I set those aside and go on and, and, and search through hundreds of other reports looking for more patterns, Grizz. You right. see how this works? This yeah, is what I, I do. And then I find these reports that, that people just can't, they can't find it within themselves to say, okay, well, Sasquatch does this kind of stuff to people. Uh, where, where people, uh, for instance, uh, people are, are um, slammed against trees. Well, you know, in my research, in my study, I see many, many reports of dogs, man's best friend. That's how they that's how they meet their demise. They're smashed against trees. And and that same goes for deer, too. And then when I see these reports, not only with with uh, people smashed against trees like that, oh well, one of their rifles were twisted and the wood stock was broken. Now, bears don't do that kind of stuff, you see. This right. is what I'm looking at. This is the kind of stuff that I see, that I read, and, and that fills this database up. Um, so a lot of this stuff is, is quite interesting. And um, recently, recently, I was looking at some old um, uh, information on um, uh, Captain, um, Captain Clark, the, the old British uh, explorer and um, never realized that he was, he was uh, just as um, famous, if not famous, um, important as, as uh, Magellan, the Spanish uh, explorer. And they both uh, spoke about and wrote about in their, in their logs, in their ship logs, of giants that they encountered down in um, South America, and uh, Captain Clark went on to say, in his in his uh, logs, that yeah, uh, in the um, in the uh, California area, um, they came upon these these uh, giants there, and apparently uh, Captain Clark and his and his uh, shipmates. Uh, captured one. I don't know where they were going to take it to. I, I suppose they were going to try to take it to uh, Great Britain, UK. And um, they had it tied up with the, the thick uh, hemp rope and stuff. And somehow this, this beast uh, broke the rope on this cutter. Can you imagine a 1700s cutter right. on the ship with, with a, a Sasquatch, a mad Sasquatch, loose, Jumps into the seas, they said. They never seen it again. Escaped. So this stuff, this stuff, and, and what uh, Captain Clark um, mentioned in his ship logs was, uh, he never thought in his in his mind, he never thought that those giants had migrated north, so far north into California. The last time they seen these were down in South America, and he can't imagine. That they, they they moved that far north to escape people, and they did apparently. But it's very interesting. The whole thing it is, is it is. is I want to give a shout out to Derry Bronson over there in UK, mate. What's going on? Round of applause to you, brother. So he is watching us live from UK. I hope he enjoys it. Yeah, he is. Uh, I hope he so, enjoys uh, it. A brother from another mother. So uh, he's been rocking out and uh, everything. So uh, can't wait to get our show back on the road from there. Uh, he was he was chatting in the chat room and I was putting up his message. He was like, dude, do you see my messages? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I just uh, I see you. I got you. I didn't want to interrupt Val or anything, but uh, I give a shout out to my brother. Uh, and I tell him, I met, look, he said, totally see. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but uh, man, he, I mean, he he's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had an encounter with something when he was younger. I have no idea, but you talk about woodsmen uh, and their creature for over there in the UK. It's a, it's wild because their their uh, history goes back thousands of years. Oh yeah, oh my gosh. So um, we were we were talking the other day about. In fact, you know, it's kind of cool. 
there's only one person that I was overseas with that still calls me, calls me, and he called yesterday. He worked for he works for uh, Department of Defense, and uh, it's kind of cool because because he knew me when I was 19 years old, and um, from from New Hampshire, and um, it's kind of cool revisiting those memories and stuff like that. But I, right. was, telling him, I was telling him that, um, um, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember, I remember that stuff. And it's kind of cool that you knew me as a kid, as a 19 year old kid in the military. And his memories of me were selling my VW bug. I lived off post. I was one of the few privileged people to have an international driver's license and to have a have a car and the car that i sold him when i came back to the states when i when i was getting ready to leave the military um one of the guys in our company was killed in it oh. killed my car yeah yeah that's his memory of my car me and um my experience over there that's terrible but I do want to say this. we got to wrap up. i got yes. another show at 8. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, The Pulse, 8 o'clock p.m. tonight. I'm not going to tell you who their co-hosts are. i got two of them. Uh, but uh, it's unscripted and unfiltered. Uh, nothing on or nasty. But uh, hopefully I'll have you entertained. Uh, it's totally at the other end of the spectrum. Hopefully you'll tune in and join us. Val, what do you think? We have a good show. Yes, yes, I do, and I'm. I, I'll tell you what, I'm glad to be back. It's it's a it's a hard thing to be cut off from the the world, um, like I was and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's very good. It's very cool. So yeah, so uh, people have messaging all day, want to know who's on the show. I'm like, hey, telling you who's on the show. You got to tune in. So I don't know how the show's going to go down because they're like, what's the subject? This subject is anything and everything goes. Uh, it is going to be like, uh, yeah, it's it's not like our other shows, ladies and gentlemen. So mm -hmm. it is. Uh, uh, they they have been responding, Val, about tow trucks. I'm like, you better bring them because uh, if you go in the ditch, I don't know who's going to get us out. But ladies and gentlemen, from coast to coast around the world, see you guys. Eight o'clock. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.